Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 34, which is brought to you by Mint Mobile, Hover, and Muse for iPad. My name is Ryan Christoffel, and I'm joined by my co-host Federico Vitici. How are you today, Federico? Hello, Ryan. I'm surprisingly fine. How are you? <laughs> uh, I guess surprisingly <laughs> fine. I don't know. It depends on kind of your your definition of fine. Um, mm. I don't know if you've ever seen the... There's a a movie called The Italian Job that was put out in maybe the 90s, early 2000s. Mark Wahlberg was in it. Okay. And uh, in the movie, uh, one of the characters says that they're fine. And then another character says, you know what fine means, right? Freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. So. Oh, yes. Uh, I like that. I like that description. Yeah. So surprisingly fine. It, it Based on that definition, I think it's probably, you know, a fitting description of maybe where we both are um, for a few reasons. Foremost among them being that iPadOS 14 is out now, which is just a very strange yeah. sentence to say. Uh, we had an Apple event this week. There were yes. new iPads, which is what we're mainly going to talk about today is the new iPads. Uh, the iPad Air is especially interesting for a variety of reasons, but but iPad OS 14 is out. iOS 14 is out because why not, right? Yeah, so Apple had an event um, where they announced the new iPads and the new Apple Watch models. And of course, they also talked about, uh, in, t- in talking about WatchOS 7, um, when they mentioned that WatchOS 7 was launching after a few days, right there, we already knew that that something was happening with the iOS 14 release date because, of course, watchOS 7 requires an iPhone to be running iOS 14. And then, of course, toward the end, at the very end of the, of, the key, of the event, Tim Cook himself confirmed that iOS 14 was going to... Lo- and iPadOS 14 and tvOS 14 were going to launch the following day. So uh, they effectively gave developers and users and, you know, journalists like me writing about the software a 24 hours notice um 24 just 24 hours with the gm and uh, yeah ios 14 came out the following day um i can tell you that like over the over the past month really i've uh, i've been preparing for this possibility right that my annual ios and ipados review this year was not going to be late. Uh, was going to be late. I'm sorry. Was not going to be published on day one. And I started, I guess, having this feeling of a real possibility when I saw that a few weeks ago, Mark Gurman tweeted, "Of course, iOS is still launching in September." And at that point, I felt, well, this is not a good sign, right? Because in my mind, the calculations that that I that I was doing um, were Basically, along the lines of WWDC was uh, three weeks later than usual this year. Therefore, I guess the new version of iOS is also going to come out three weeks later than usual. And three weeks later than usual meant, oh, I have until early October or maybe even mid-October to get this review finished. I'm totally fine. But I wasn't totally fine because as, as now, you know, as we now know in hindsight, um, WWDC had no impact whatsoever on the release date of iOS 14. iOS 14 is launching in the same time frame as previous versions of iOS, mid-September. 
Um, it is weird, honestly, that Apple didn't release a GM a week before. They usually give developers a week to finalize their updated and new apps with the GM Golden Master version of iOS, and they let developers submit their updates over the course of a week, and they give reviewers and other you know people in the press at least a week to prepare their final coverage. Um, but this time, you know, 2020 being, being the odd year that it is, of course, Apple is following, I guess, the trend, the style of 2020 in doing odd and uh, weird things. And that includes the iOS 14 release date. So all this to say that for the first time since I started doing annual iOS reviews, my review wasn't published on day one. My review didn't come out a few hours before the release of iOS and iPadOS, as it usually does. Um, That made me feel strange. And, you know, obviously, like, when you have, for me, these reviews are big events, right? They are, uh, they are the culmination of months of work. And it's generally, generally, it's, it's a very nice day in that I can show off the thing that I've been working on for so long to a lot of people. And of course, I, I, I miss that this year, right? iOS 14 came out and it almost didn't feel like an iOS 14 release day because I wasn't busy launching my review. On the other hand, I've accepted for the past few weeks, I've, you know, I've come to terms with this, I think. Um, I've accepted the fact that I was not going to be ready. And mostly, I've realized that Yes, I could have rushed the review, but in, I know that years from now, in looking back at this review, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have been happy to find something on my website that wasn't up to my standards, that was rushed, that had to be cut in, in different sections to be finished in time. So, I've come, and also, thanks to the lovely... Uh, readers and listeners, people who follow me on Twitter, who have been sending me such nice messages and like encouraging notes over the past few weeks, saying, "Don't worry about it. We're gonna read your review whenever it's ready," and that made me feel a lot better about this entire weirdness going on. So, uh, uh, when I say I'm surprisingly fine, I I really mean it. Um, I'm working on a review that that so like so far i'm really happy with with the work that i've done despite 2020 and despite all the complications uh, in my personal life this year i'm really happy with what i have so far i'm trying my best to finish it as soon as possible again because i thought that i was gonna have until october <laughs> to finish this um and uh I-, I will do my best to make it extra special when it comes out right uh, whether it's the layout or the extras that I include in the review and all the surrounding uh, details and maybe even something new this year to accompany the review. So um, I'm fine, um, uh, mostly because I've, I've accepted that there's nothing I can do. So, so we've, been using, a- we've been using the betas for a while and it, it sometimes... Which the last year, so this hasn't been true. But sometimes we can kind of judge, oh, when is iOS going to come out based on what state the betas are in? And uh, and I would have said until recently that it's not ready yet. 
um, which kind of gave us a little bit of comfort. Like, oh, yeah, surely it's not going to come out yet because there's too many bugs. But what, what would you say now to, to our listeners who maybe they haven't installed iPadOS 14 yet or iOS 14, and they're trying to figure out, you know, should I go ahead and, and install it or should I hold off and see maybe if there's going to be a number of bug fix updates like there were with last year, iOS and iPadOS 13. Um, what, what would you say? Um, the short version, I think, is that iOS 14 and iPadOS 14 are not as tragic as 13 when it launched last year. However, they're still not as good as iOS 12 was when it launched. And of course, iOS 12 uh, was the result of an actual systemic change within Apple in that that year, Apple mentioned at WWDC, look, we're going to focus on stability and improvements. And it showed in the final release. Uh, Now, iOS 14 is not as terrible as 13, so I wouldn't expect all the rushed uh, software patches and fixes that happened last year. I mean, last year, it was like one software update after the other, after (laughs) 13 launched to the public. So maybe that will not happen this year. However, I am disappointed because I, I was hoping that Apple could do better this year, that they could learn from the lessons of last year's um, rushed rollout and maybe try and put out something that was up to the same standards as iOS 12. And this is not the case with 14. And I mean, just a couple of nights ago, using the GM, so the final version of iPadOS 14 on my iPad Pro, at some point, my uh, the magic key, the magic trackpad on on the on the magic keyboard, the, the trackpad. Sorry, uh, it just stopped working. It, it wasn't accepting um, two and three finger swipes anymore, and the home button, the home indicator on my iPad Pro was not working anymore. I had to reboot my iPad to 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 fix it. You know, turn it off and on again. Uh, and that's the GM. So the final version of i of iPadOS fourteen. Um, so I. I wouldn't say that iOS 14 is the same disaster as last year. Now, of course, this is just based on my experience. It's very possible that now that iOS 14 is going live to a much bigger audience, that all sorts of issues will come up now. Um, but I will say that it still gets a, a thumbs down from me in terms of performance and stability and overall polish. Um, I still encounter visual glitches and just random crashes and the need to turn it off and on again far too frequently for a public release. This shouldn't be the case. It shouldn't be like this. I don't understand why. And I guess, well, I should rephrase. I guess I do understand why this is happening. It's because internally at Apple, the hardware dictates software releases. And it, it's not right. It shouldn't be like that, but it is what it is. So um, I would say, if you can, Maybe wait at least a week with iPadOS 14. See if there's any if there's any um, software updates and patches that come out in the meantime. Or maybe this is actually my favorite approach. Maybe try and put it on just one of your devices first. See how it goes. See if your favorite apps are working without issues. And then maybe you can put it on your like your iPad Pro, for example, your primary work computer. Um, obviously, I know that. That a lot of our listeners they want to play around with widgets and the app library 
and multi-column and sidebars on iPad and the new search uh, as soon as possible. Like, I totally get that. However, I urge you to remember how you felt last year when you installed iOS and iPadOS 13 in a matter of hours, and then you started running into all these weird problems. Now, maybe the best approach is to install it on one of your devices and see how it goes, and be on the lookout for software updates. So stay tuned on Mac Stories and other Apple blogs, see what this year's release schedule looks like. Um, but yeah, I would say that I am not, I'm not impressed, honestly. Uh, with, the, with this first version that is launching to the public, I'm not impressed. Yeah, I've had similar experiences to you where there's just there's just plenty of things that don't work well or you've got to reboot or or it crashes and so it's not great. It's it's not terrible, like it's livable yeah. for sure, but it's not it's not what you would hope for and maybe we just got spoiled with iOS 12. But maybe. maybe. Um anyways, well whether people install it right away and they start using it or they hold off in either case, I think reading your review whenever it comes is going to be a nice experience because I know for me personally, when I read it um, and I, you know, don't have as much experience with certain things, then it's kind of like I can read about a certain app or a certain feature, um, but I, it, you know, it's not quite the same if you can't use it right then and there. And so I think for people even who have had, you know, a few weeks of experience or however long it may be. Um, using iOS and iPadOS 14 and then read your review, I think maybe there's so much content, there's so much information contained in the review that having some level of experience with the releases ahead of time could actually be a nice thing for for helping, you know, maybe learn some new tricks of things to try um, or just having a better understanding of what you're talking about in the review because mm-hmm. they've they've encountered those things themselves. And so... It'll be it'll be great. Um, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what the coming the coming weeks hold. Hopefully, Apple doesn't surprise us with other new things. I know we've got new hey, iPhones that are know, coming maybe, at some point. Maybe fourteen point four, fourteen point one is launching soon. Maybe who knows? Who even yeah. knows anymore? We we could have a beta any day now. Who knows? Any day. Well, okay. We 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 need to talk about iPads. That's that's the big thing that you know we haven't talked about before because we have talked about iPadOS 14. We've used the betas for a while. We've done several episodes related to it. We will talk about it more in the future, I'm sure. But the the newest, freshest news this week is some new iPad models. So we're going to talk about those. Um, before we do, just a, a couple kind of reminder updates. One is that we had mentioned we were releasing a special episode of Adapt exclusively for Relay FM members. Uh, that has been published now. So Federico and I walked through our iPadOS 14 home screens that we're using at the moment, uh, different setups of widgets and apps and shortcuts. And so if you're not a Relay FM member, you can go to relay.fm adapt. And at the top of the screen, you'll see options for supporting Adapt uh, directly. Or you could support any other relay show and get access to these member episodes. So that is available now for members. Uh, also, I mentioned last month that uh, this September Relay FM is working to support St. Jude Children's Research Hospital, just as we did last year with a big fundraiser and raising awareness for September being 
Childhood Cancer Awareness Month. Uh, Childhood cancer remains the leading cause of death by disease for children under the age of 15 and children undergoing treatment for cancer and other life-threatening diseases often need transfusions, physical and cognitive therapy. And so your gift can help St. Jude provide the best care and treatment for patients. Uh, you can go to stjude.org relay today to help save St. Jude kids. Uh, that's stjude.org relay if you'd like to donate. Um, what a wonderful cause. I mean, it, there's, there's nothing that anyone could say that you know, is controversial about helping prevent and fight childhood cancer and saving children's lives. So stjude.org slash relay. Um, hope you'll go there and support what St. Jude is doing. Now, uh, there are two new iPad models. There's an iPad Air and an 8th generation base level iPad. Uh, the iPad Air, as I mentioned, is the main attraction. There's a lot mm. new going on there. And in some ways, it feels like Mm. It's it's stepping on the iPad Pro's toes, mm. um, mm-hmm. which is very interesting. Um, so we need to get into all the details about that. Uh, before we dive in, let me thank our first sponsor for today. Uh, this episode of Adapt is brought to you by Mint Mobile. Uh, breaking up with your old wireless provider just got a whole lot easier thanks to Mint Mobile. They were the first company to sell premium wireless service online only. And now Mint Mobile is introducing their unlimited data plan for just 30 bucks a month. Yep, that's right. An unlimited plan for 30 bucks. How much is your soon-to-be X wireless provider charging you? Well, I bet it's more than that. You know, I recently had a lot of frustration trying to make adjustments to my wireless plan through a different carrier, and it was such a mess, such a hassle that I decided just on the spot to sign up for Mint Mobile instead. And honestly, I would have saved so much time if I had just started there. It's so easy to get started with Mint Mobile. There's a great app experience. Uh, It's so much better than any other carrier experience that I've had. And on top of all the convenience, it actually costs less money too. For people that hate their phone bill and are ready for something new, Mint Mobile offers their premium unlimited plan for just 30 bucks a month, and they do this by going online only, eliminating the traditional costs of retail, and then passing those savings on to you. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. You can use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. Break up with Big Wireless and switch to Mint Mobile's premium unlimited data plan for 30 bucks a month. To get your new unlimited wireless plan for just 30 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com/adapt. That's mintmobile.com/adapt. Cut your unlimited wireless bill to 30 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash adapt. Our thanks to Mint Mobile for their support of Adapt and Relay FM. Well, the let's let's start, Federico, with the eighth generation iPad. Ah, because, the one that really excites me the most. <laughs> exactly. Uh, the the one that's got all the new stuff in it and you know really sure. innovative. 
Well, th- we we need to start there because there's really not much to say, and so we can kind of just get it out of the way. You know, I I don't know if if you're like this, but for me, if I'm you know eating dinner and I've got um, a couple items on my plate that I do want to eat, and then maybe one that's a little healthier but not quite as tasty, I, I like to just get the not as great food out of the way first. Um, because then I can focus on what I really enjoy. So that's kind of what I want to do here today. Um, let's get the eighth gen iPad out of the way. There's really not much that's changed. Uh, Apple last updated this product last year, yeah, and uh, it was right at a year ago, last September. And normally, year over year, there aren't huge changes to the base model iPad because it's it's the cheap one, right? It's uh, starts at three hundred twenty nine dollars. And so Apple has to make a lot of compromises to keep it that low price. And last year, the the base model iPad actually had some more significant changes than it normally got because the screen size was bumped up a bit. Uh, It moved to a 10.2 inch display. Uh, It added support for things like the smart keyboard. And so this year, we, we kind of expected that if there was going to be an update, it wouldn't be a big one. And, and that's what we got, right? Uh, we have yeah. an iPad that has an A12 processor, and previously it had an A10. So it's got a two-year newer processor, but it's also still a two-year-old processor. Yeah. The two yeah. years old is better than four years old, but yeah. it's, it's still mostly the same iPad. It's 40% faster than the one used in the previous model, but it's also um, 50% older <laughs> than what we currently have. So like, yeah, it's faster than before, but it's also from two years ago. So, uh, I mean, it's a, net, it's a net positive compared to the previous seventh generation iPad, but also you got to keep in mind that this iPad is not meant to... This is not the iPad that you buy if you want to have performance, right? This is the iPad that you want to buy if you're working education or if you want a base model tablet that is still an iPad, right? That runs iPadOS 14 that can use all of the multitasking features, but an iPad that maybe you want to pass on to a kid or that you, you know, you, you, you don't, maybe you don't need the bigger screen sizes, you don't need the extra RAM for things like video and audio editing, for example, all those things. It's a base model iPad that can be used for iPad things, but with, you know, not to the same extent of the Air and the Pro. Exactly. Yeah. And I I don't mean to make it sound like it's a bad device because it's not at all. I mean, especially especially for the price. Exactly. Yes. I mean, as as a computer for 329, it's this great, it's a great iPad and it can be used as a laptop, right? You can attach a smart keyboard. There's there's a lot of great things about it. And so if you are someone who's in the market for this type of iPad, then it's fantastic. And I'm glad that Apple didn't wait, you know, longer than a year to update it. It's it's nice to always have a more modern um, device available for you. So so it's it's a good, you know, it's a good spec bump, but it's not going to, you know, make a big difference for people who have an iPad that they're already fine with now. Um, yeah. yeah. The but... smart cover for the for the base model iPad also has some new colors. And now, correct me if I'm wrong, but do you actually call these Citrus and Cyprus in English? Or is uh, it Citrus and, and Cyprus? 
So, how would you say this? So the first word would be citrus. So, oh, so it's citrus and cypress. And then, and then I believe cypress, yes. Okay. So it's kind of funny because they're similar. <laughs> uh, but the citrus one, it looks, it's what is, how would you describe this? It's coral. It's called pink citrus. Is it coral, like like light orange? Yeah. How would you describe this color? Yeah. Um, it's uh, orange. It's some some kind of orange. Yeah. Best. Orange is yeah. one of those interesting colors that just has a lot of uh, a lot of variation to it, and so yeah, I orangish. Let's let's say orangish. orangish. Just throw. There's also deep the navy. End. Deep navy looks good. I think deep navy looks very good. And the other colors, I think, they are the existing ones. So surf blue, which is actually a really nice shade of blue that I would love to have in more accessories going forward that used to exist before. But yeah, there's, uh, I believe, three new colors. The orangish, uh, orangish tone, the green, and the blue. So that's, that's kind of cool. But yeah, there's literally nothing else to point out about this iPad, right? Uh, we mentioned the price. We mentioned the smart cover, the updated CPU, and yeah i mean that that's about it right that there's nothing else i think it's a good ipad to have if you're really price conscious and you want a new ipad during you know especially during the pandemic for things like working from home and and conference calls it's a great way to enter the ipad ecosystem but as we're gonna discuss now there's a much more compelling option with the ipad air yeah the ipad air is it's really fascinating this year. I, you know, last year, I believe it was in March, there was an iPad Air that was introduced and it was kind of a a strange, like it's it's better than the base model iPad, but it's definitely not as good as the iPad Pro, but it's, you know, at that middle price point. At the time it was $499. The new iPad Air is $599. Right. And that that price increase really reflects a change position, I think, for this iPad, where last year, I mean, it's still kind of in the middle in a way, but it's it's a very compelling product that that really, it, it doesn't feel like what last year's iPad Air felt like, which was, it's kind of an older iPad, but with some nice like iPad Pro-like features. You know, there used to be the 10.5-inch iPad Pro, and then it went away when the iPad Pro went to 11-inch, but then this 10.5-inch iPad Air came out, and so it was kind of like, oh, they're kind of repackaging that smaller iPad Pro. Right. Whereas this year, it's it's just kind of something new and different in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, so the new the new iPad Air really is, I think it it's it's sort of like challenging almost the 11-inch iPad Pro in terms of size and functionalities. We're going to talk about the things that are missing from. From the, from the iPad Air, but just to give you a quick rundown of what the new iPad Air offers. So this is the first iPad, like the, actually it's the first Apple device to come with the new A14 Bionic uh, architecture. So brand new Apple CPU, uh, this is before the iPhone, this is before the iPad Pro, first Apple device to have the A14. For context, the A14, is the architecture that's being rumored to be at the foundation of the first Apple Silicon Mac. Of course, it's very likely that the first Apple Silicon Mac will be the A14X, as is usually you know, the, the name for the more beefed-up version of these chips. But still, 
the iPad Air is the first one to have the A14 5 nanometer architecture, which is really, really remarkable that Apple is now doing the 5 nanometer uh, CPUs. Uh, it's also the first iPad to introduce this new screen size, 10.9 inches, so almost 11 inches, with a liquid retina display with True Tone. So this means that the iPad Air is ditching the home button. It's going all in with the iPad Pro industrial design with the flat sides and the display that extends to the edges of the, of the device with the thinner bezels, no home button, however, no Face ID. This is the, one of the bigger differences between the iPad Air and the iPad Pro. The iPad Air has the iPad Pro design, but it doesn't use Face ID for authentication. Instead, and this is another first of the iPad Air, Apple is debuting a new spin on Touch ID. The iPad Air has Touch ID in the top button, so the, essentially the power button, as an embedded Touch ID sensor. It's a slightly longer, I guess, it's an elongated uh, top button to, you know, make it easier for you to scan your fingerprint. But yeah, Touch ID, an entirely new version of Touch ID, Touch ID has, been, has been embedded within that button. And so even if the iPad Air doesn't have Face ID for the really fast uh, face authentication, you can still just place your finger on the button and authenticate that way. So uh, this is, I guess, the only precedent for this kind of power button that embeds Touch ID would be on the Mac. With the, with the power button on modern uh, laptops that embeds both functions, power and authentication, in the same uh, physical key. But this is a first on iOS and iPadOS for sure. It'd be really interesting to see if this Touch ID button also comes to the iPhone 12. I don't think it will, which, you know, because the rumors aren't suggesting so. so, which makes it even more interesting that the iPad Air as, an, as this new kind of uh, authentication system that will likely remain exclusive to the air for a while. I think it's really, really fascinating. Um, and there's some other, uh, and again, another first of the iPad Air, more color options. So you can get it in silver, you can get it in space gray. There's, I believe, new names for those colors, but now you can also get it in blue and green and rose gold. So... Blue and green are the really new colors for an iPad. I, I don't think we've ever had a blue or green iPad before. And it's really fun because it's almost like Apple is sort of a, uh, inspired by... Remember the iPhone 5C with all the colors? Now it's kind of like that. You can get an iPad Air in five different colors, which is really fun. They should have gone for six, though. Like, uh, you know, six colors, Apple logo and all that. They should have done six colors. That would have been on brand. And um, there's some other things that the iPad Air is copying, sort of, uh, or taking from the iPad Pro. There's a smart connector. So the Magic Keyboard, you can use it with the iPad Air, and it's the same Magic Keyboard model as the 11-inch iPad Pro. So you can, it's the, literally the Magic Keyboard for the 11-inch Pro can be used with the iPad Air. There's no iPad Air-specific Magic Keyboard version. It's the same one as the Air. Uh, and because of the flat sides, the iPad Air supports the second generation Apple Pencil, which for the last couple of years has been exclusive to the iPad Pro line. Now that's coming to the Air. The Air also has a USB-C port. We're going to talk about the differences between that port, uh, in that port between the Pro and the Air in a few minutes. And uh, as you mentioned, um, starts at $599, so that's more expensive than last year. 
And in, finally, in terms of the cameras, it doesn't have the true depth system. It doesn't have a face ID authentication. Uh, but uh, basically, I believe the difference is that um, it's similar to the existing iPad Pro, but it doesn't have the front-facing portrait mode. Again, because it, because it lacks um, true depth. Right. Yeah. And one other change is that the, the 2020 iPad Pro gained the ultra-wide camera from oh, right. the yes. iPhone 11 on, on the back of the device, and it doesn't have that. So if you are an iPad camera person, which if you are, then I'd like to hear from you. The, I just want to know that you exist. Um, but if, you, or if you're really big on using your iPad's cameras, then there are some changes here. But it's still like the, the main wide camera is, I believe, basically identical to what's on the iPad Pro. Uh, it's a great camera. And so, yeah, there's, there's just a lot, a lot of good things about this iPad mm-hmm. Air, a lot of modern things, even, you know, new things that Apple hasn't done on its other products. And, and it's really strange considering that the iPad Pro came out earlier this year with an update that didn't really add much and it had a two-year-old right. processor um w- we'll talk later about kind of what the ipad air means for the ipad pro but uh but yeah there's you know this is a really interesting device um especially when you think about apple continuing to encourage users to use their ipad for more and more things and so they're now shipping a more capable iPad that's not quite as expensive as the Pro line, it, it seems kind of well-suited to be the iPad for the average person who wants to use their iPad as the main computer, but doesn't necessarily want to spring for the the really expensive cutting-edge Pro. I mean, it's not necessarily cutting-edge right this moment, but hopefully with the next update, whenever that comes, it will be cutting-edge again. But with with the colors and just the attractive price point and modern i mean a14 bionic that's 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 a cutting edge processor and so yeah i i feel like this is meant to be the the device that pushes people who have been thinking oh maybe maybe i'll try using an ipad instead of a mac as my main computer but the ipad pro is maybe a little too expensive for them to do that and and now there's a compelling 599 iPad Air that is in some ways just as capable or more so in other ways than the iPad Pro. And so maybe it's it's kind of Apple's attempt to get more and more people to go toward iPad computing um, that haven't done it before because there's there's a more accessible entry point. Yeah, and I think that's that's a very good point. And it's especially timely you know, unfortunately, so because of the pandemic and the and the lockdowns, with a lot of people spending time at home, which is something that that of course Apple also pointed out during the event, right, right there at the beginning, saying, uh, you know, we know that our customers are using our devices to work from home, to communicate from home, to stay in touch, to be creative. So the idea of taking the best functionalities of the iPad Pro line, or at least maybe not not the best, but some the, the the basics that can take the iPad Air to the next level, such as the new screen, such as um, the Magic Keyboard and the second generation pencil, right? And the A14, of course, and USB-C, taking those features, those essential 
features of the iPad Pro line and letting them trickle down to the iPad Air, I think it's a very smart move in 2020 because you can bring sort of this new vision of computing to more people, right? You don't have to spend twice the amount of money to get into the iPad Pro ecosystem. You can spend $599 and get an iPad Air that has sort of the same basics as the iPad Pro. And I think that's a very compelling message in 2020. Um, yeah. And if you go down the list of the things that it doesn't have compared to the iPad Pro, they're the type of things that probably most of that type customer doesn't necessarily care about, or they might care, but not enough to spend the extra few hundred dollars. Um, so there, you can't have as high of storage options on the iPad Air. The iPad Pro goes all the way up to one terabyte as a storage, uh, internal storage. With the iPad Air, the max is 256 gigs. So a pretty big difference there. Um, it doesn't have ProMotion, which will affect the Apple Pencil latency. Uh, like I said, it doesn't have the ultra-wide camera. It doesn't have Face ID. It doesn't have LiDAR, which maybe someday when AR is more of a thing, that will matter. And then the, the speakers aren't as good. It has a two-speaker um, setup rather than the four speakers inside the iPad Pro. So, you know, they are there are things that matter and things that make a difference. But they're kind of premium features, right? They're, they're things that are nice to haves, but not necessarily uh, essential to using the iPad as your main computer. So th those are the specs, but we really want to talk through what we actually think about this device and what, what we think it means for the iPad Pro, because there are a lot of similarities, especially to the 11-inch iPad Pro. Um, so let's let's get all into all that. Um, before we do, let me thank our next sponsor. Uh, this episode is also brought to you by Hover, one of Relay FM's longest-running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? For a ton of entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap because your business starts with a domain name. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Hover has free who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information. Uh, they have a clean UX and UI, monthly sales on popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. Now, I've used Hover so many times over the years. Every time I need a domain, they are the service that I go to. I've never had a desire to look elsewhere because they make everything so easy. Uh, if you're like me and you appreciate intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box, so to speak, I know you'll appreciate Hover. As I mentioned, their UX and UI really is simple. It's clean. It's easy to navigate. It just makes life easier. Buy your domain and start using it today. Go to hover.com slash adapt and get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That URL one more time is hover.com slash adapt. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. Federico, what are you thinking about this iPad Air? Do you see this as an alternative to the iPad Pro you're using right now? What what excites you about it? What 
What what's kind of been going on in your head the last couple of days as you've been thinking about this device? Yeah, um, look, I'm not gonna lie, I'm very intrigued by this iPad. Um, and I'll say up front, I'm not sure if it if it can replace my 12.9 inch iPad Pro, mostly because of the size, right? I really love working on the biggest iPad Pro possible. And I've mentioned before how if Apple were to make a 15 or 16 inch iPad Pro, I would get it right away. I really love working with the biggest sort of laptop-like device I can possibly find on the Apple Store. So I don't think it will replace my primary iPad Pro. But I think this is a very interesting device for a lot of people. And I definitely would love to play around with it for a while because I think it I think it strikes maybe a nicer balance at being both a tablet and sort of like a, like a laptop or you know, in a way, maybe like a desktop workstation than the 11-inch iPad Pro, because uh, well, there's a bunch of there's a bunch of reasons. First of all, this iPad I believe is slightly wider but shorter than the 11-inch in landscape, which which means that maybe apps in split view could be just a little bit nicer to hold to to use, and when used in portrait. This iPad could be a little nicer than the 11-inch in portrait because you should be able to see more vertical content. And also because of the Touch ID button, I think it's going to be very nice to lock and unlock this device. So I'm really intrigued by the slightly different form factor between the 11-inch and the Air, as well as the Touch ID. And also I feel like, I mean, the colors are fun and the support for the pencil is fun. I'm just very curious to compare this to the iPad Pro in a bunch of key ways. Um, two of them being at the top of my list. First of all, the lack of ProMotion. So uh, this iPad Air does not have 120 hertz refresh rate for the display. Um, so it will not be as fluid as the iPad Pro, which I would be curious to check out because I've gotten so used to ProMotion on the iPad. I think it's going to be a little jarring to go back to an iPad that has the same iPad Pro design, but doesn't have the high refresh rate for the display. I think that's going to feel a little weird. And second, USB-C. So this iPad Air has USB-C, but there are some differences between the Air and the Pro. The Pro can transfer data to, for up to 10 gigabit per second. Uh, that's, I believe, what used to be called maybe, and it's very confusing, but USB 3.1 Gen 2. But now maybe it's changed the name again. Who even knows what the USB-C, what the USB consortium is doing these days? Uh, but in any case, the iPad Air instead can transfer data up to five gigabit per second, so half the transfer rate. Now Apple is saying also that the iPad Air can drive an external 4K display using just a single USB-C cable. So just like the iPad Pro, you can connect a compatible USB-C cable usually the thicker ones, not the, the thin cables that are just used for charging, but the thicker USB-C cables that can also support um, high-rate data transfers. And in theory, I should be able to connect this iPad Air to my ultra-fine 4K, and I should be able to use it just like my iPad Pro. So I think it, it, can be, it could be really fun in terms of like a potential review to, to do these kinds of comparisons, right? What if I have a, le- a really large audio file, for example, that I need to transfer from my iPad Pro 
to an external SD card via USB-C. Is the Air going to be the same speed of the iPad Pro or is it going to be slower? Uh, will I be able to tell the difference in practice? What if I have a 4K video that I want to transfer from my Mac to the iPad? Is the iPad Pro going to receive that file more quickly than the iPad Air? Um, I think it's going to be interesting to find out. And also, of course, testing with, uh, with an external display. But primarily the form factor. I'm really intrigued by, um, by holding this device as a tablet and using it at a desk. And in terms of holding the device as a tablet, I should also mention the pencil. Because the lack of promotion on this display means that the pencil latency is going go, to be... Uh, is, you're effectively going to have twice the latency as the iPad Pro. Because on the iPad Pro, the promotion display with a higher refresh rate, it cuts the latency in half, which means the difference between you physically moving your hand to draw and the drawing appearing on screen is almost imperceptible because of that very low latency, right? But with the lack of promotion, the latency goes up again because the screen cannot refresh itself as quickly as on the iPad Pro. So my question being, will you be able to tell the difference between using the Pencil 2 on the iPad Pro versus the iPad Air? I would be really keen to find out. So there's a bunch of interesting comparisons that I would like to do. And I'm, as I said, and I'm very intrigued by this idea of a slightly more like elongated form factor compared to the 11-inch iPad Pro and this new Touch ID. Sort of how, how does it feel to go back to Touch ID on an iPad after Face ID? However, Touch ID is in a different position, uh, position than before. Uh, I have a few questions that I would love to, to answer by playing around with this device. Yeah, if I were someone who used the 11-inch iPad Pro now and if for whatever reason I was looking to change devices, maybe you know my, my iPad broke in some way and I was looking to replace it, I really think I would go with this 10.9-inch iPad Air. I, I don't think there's a reason not to, for me at least. Like I would... I'm sure I would miss Face ID, but also there are plenty of times where I'm using my iPad and it's the, the screen says that I'm too far away for Face ID to complete its scan. And so I've got to move my iPad closer temporarily just so it'll scan. Uh, it's, you know, if Face ID were better, then I would probably have no reason to ever prefer Touch ID, at least not on an iPad. On the iPhone, I want you know, touch ID right now because I'm wearing right. a mask outside. And um, so that would be great. But yeah, as you said earlier, it sounds like that's not going to happen with this year's iPhone, maybe next year. But I, I just don't see a reason to pay any more to get the iPad Pro if I like that smaller size, right? The 12.9-inch the iPad Pro can't be replaced by this device um, unless you're just looking to go smaller. But I'm not sure who I would recommend an 11-inch iPad Pro to right now because this iPad Air is a couple hundred dollars more affordable and, yeah, it doesn't have a LiDAR scanner, but, I mean, I, I, I would assume that most users would know for sure whether they're someone who needs some of the things that are unique to the iPad Pro. Like, if, if they need more than 256 gigs of storage, that's maybe the one thing that 
is kind of a, if, if you're doing much video work, if you're storing large files on your iPad, then the iPad Air may not cut it for you because 256 gigs, that's what I have on my iPad Pro currently. And it's fine, but I do get close to full on storage sometimes, um, especially like if I'm traveling and I download some videos to watch on the plane. But it seems like until the iPad Pro 11 inch is updated, and maybe that's a question if it's going to get updated, um, until it's updated, the iPad Air seems like a more compelling product, at least to me right now. Would, would you say that's true? I think that's absolutely true. I honestly, I don't know why you would want to buy an 11-inch iPad Pro right now unless you really, really cared about promotion and Face ID. But like, do you even care that much about Face ID on an iPad, right? Um, or I guess the other argument is the storage options, right? Because maybe you really want a 512 or one terabyte iPad Pro. Like I get it. Um, there's some like there's some types of users that I that I genuinely believe will say no. I need an iPad Pro because of the extra RAM. Right? It's very likely that this iPad Air it's not going to have the six gigs of RAM found on the iPad Pro line, or because they need the extra local storage, right? Uh, or because they need lighter. Uh, for uh, AR. And I generally believe that there's some types of users, maybe they are video editors, maybe they are, they are artists, and, they, and their argument goes something like, well, I absolutely need to be able to have 50, 70 different layers in Photoshop or Procreate, and the iPad Pro is the best device for me. So for, for really pro users, I think the iPad Pro is still the best option. However, what I think we're getting at here with this discussion is for, for the past few years, a lot of non-pro users have purchased an iPad Pro because it was the best iPad, even though they weren't really pros. But now with the iPad Air, you can get what is effectively a really, really great iPad, even if you're not a pro. Do you know what I'm getting at here? Like A lot of people were buying the iPad Pro because the, iP- the base model iPad and the iPad Air were not good enough. But now I think the iPad Air is more than good enough. Therefore, for a lot of people, that pressure of saying, well, I'm forced to buy an iPad Pro because the other options suck, well, now that pressure has been removed. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense, especially since Apple has kind of moved the iPad Pro line up the price scale a little bit over the last few years. Um, when the first iPad Pro came out, the 12.9-inch, I believe it was $799 at the time. And in 2018, when Apple released the 11-inch and 12.9-inch with the Face ID and the you know small bezels around the side, they upped the prices to where the 11-inch started at $799 and the 12.9-inch, I believe, starts at $999. And so it's, it's quite a bit more expensive if you want to get into some of the pro-like uses with the iPad, but you don't necessarily need all those pro features that we've outlined. And so slotting the iPad Air in the middle and making it far more capable so that you really don't need the iPad Pro unless you have very specific needs where you you know that you need more storage or you know that you know, you're going to be using an Apple Pencil all day, every day. And so promotion and the you know, the better 
latency on the iPad Pro is really worth it to you. But for kind of the average person who doesn't necessarily have those specific of needs, but really wants to use the iPad in a pro-like way, uh, the iPad Air is seems like it, it is the best device for you, uh, maybe unless you really want the, the larger screen that the iPad Pro offers. It, it makes me wonder, though, the next time the iPad Pro is updated, which hopefully will mm. be you know, <laughs> early next year, um, it makes me wonder what they're going to do with it. What right? will it do? Well, I'll tell you. If you have a, a, a 10.8-inch iPad Air that's this good, then maybe it is time to go the opposite direction with the iPad Pro and say, let's forget about the 11-inch iPad Pro. Let's do a 12.9-inch as usual and a 15 or 16-inch iPad Pro. Let's go bigger on the Pro line, and we can keep the iPad Air for those who want a smaller size with really good performance. So maybe size could be a differentiator now again. Um, Or maybe, I mean, uh, there were rumors of micro-LED, so a, a new display technology on the iPad Pro. But other than that, like, I honestly, like, I have no idea what can be possibly done. A second USB-C port, maybe a proper integration with external displays, but that's a software feature, right? So, I don't know, maybe size, maybe new accessories, and maybe a new display technology. Uh, I would be really intrigued to see a new size option. I've been asking for an even bigger iPad Pro for so long. Maybe that, maybe, you know, with this iPad Air, Apple now feels more freedom to experiment on the, on the bigger side with the Pro. Now that would really follow the, the pattern set by the Mac where you've got, uh, right. for the Pros, you've got the 13-inch the and the 16-inch. And with the Air, now you have a 13-inch, but it used to be an 11 or a 13-inch. And no, the iPad is not the same as the Mac. And, you know, to keep it kind of... A good tablet i don't know like a 15 inch ipad pro how would you use that as a tablet i don't know that you could very well um unless there's like you said maybe there's a new accessory maybe there's something that helps kind of you use it in like a drafting table type mode where uh, a kickstand essentially for the ipad that lets you prop it up at an angle on your table and then use it that way or of course use it you know in a in a keyboard like a magic keyboard there's certainly some interesting possibilities. I, I, I did think the other day um, when all this was announced that I remember for a while, you know, one of the most kind of reliable um, Apple rumor leaker people uh, is Ming-Chi Kuo, who has all these connections to supply chain. And he's been saying for a while that the 12.9-inch iPad Pro is going to get the new display technology is it is it micro LED mini LED it's it's one of those oh, right it's one of those I think I don't know now now you're making me second guess maybe <laughs> it's mini LED but well, it's small LED for ex- sure exactly it, it's kind of like a potential alternative to OLED Apple yes, has never had yes. OLED on the iPad but they uh, are apparently going to move with this new display technology um, on the iPad on the Mac maybe even on the iPhone eventually but. He has said several times that that's coming to the 12.9-inch iPad Pro next year, but he's never mentioned it with the 11-inch, which has made me kind of curious in the past, like, what are they going to do there? Because right now, and for a while, the two iPad Pro sizes have been basically identical in feature set. And so it seemed odd to me the idea that the 12.9-inch would get this great new display 
and Apple wouldn't bring it to the 11 inch, but maybe they're not going to have an 11 inch pro in the future, or I, I don't know. It's, it's something that you know, we can only speculate about right now, but with the 10.9 inch iPad air available there, there really are fewer needs for that 11 inch iPad pro and, and maybe they will just differentiate with size, both, you know, yeah. obviously having the 12.9 inch, but then maybe, maybe even bigger in the future. Who knows? Maybe, maybe. Yeah. Well, it's been an interesting iPad week for sure. I, I mean, going into this, the rumors were that there was going to be a new iPad Air and it was going to have a design more like the iPad Pro, but I, I didn't think that it was going to have an A14, right? I didn't think that it was going to have a two-year newer processor than what the iPad Pro has. And you know, some of the other things that Apple's done, it really makes this feel not like an iPad that kind of has some older parts in it, you know, for the sake of making it more affordable, but but really a very modern, very powerful iPad for the masses, um, for people who want to use the iPad as their main computer. And I think that's really interesting. Well, we have a few Ask Adapt questions that I want to get to. Uh, before right. we do that, let me thank our final sponsor. This episode of Adapt is also brought to you by Muse. The iPad Pro has incredible potential as a place to do work. Uh, so it's always great to see the launch of new professional apps for iPad, and Muse is one such app. Uh, Muse is a tool for thought. It gives you a spatial canvas for your research notes, sketches, screenshots, bookmarks, and PDFs. Most note-taking apps or file management tools give you highly structured lists and grids. Well, Muse is inspired by your desk. It's personal, creative, and it can even be a little messy. You can pull in documents from all your information streams, like the web, Twitter, Slack, email, or notes and files from your phone, and then arrange them on the canvas and scribble all over everything. Uh, Federico, I know that you have some experience using Muse. What, what is kind of your, your sense of what this app is good for, or what, what were kind of some of your impressions as you were trying this out? Yeah, so I, I I was fortunate enough to be able to use um, Muse in the beta. Um, so Muse is the kind of app that 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 I've long wished somebody would do on iPad with this degree of really good design and and polish and elegance. So this, the idea would be that you have this effectively infinite canvas, right? And you can dr use drag and drop and the pencil and the keyboard. So all the different ways of of interacting with an iPad to arrange data all kinds of data, anywhere and any way you want. So you can draw, you can sketch, you can type, you can move images around, you can have rich links, and you can combine these elements, right? And you can, it's sort of like a mind map for all kinds of files and data, which is something that I think you can go back through my Twitter history. I was talking about this stuff a few years ago, like a mind map for more than just text. But it's also not a mind map. It's a completely free-form canvas where you can drop all the kind of things you want to you know, visualize. I think it's very good for that. If you're a visual person, um, be able to have images, photos, uh, drawings, and text snippets uh, you know, for things like if you're planning a vacation, right? Or if you want to have like a high-level overview of a big project 
that you want to work on in the future to do those kinds of things to have that kind of like visual dashboard that doesn't limit you in the kind of data that you can use because some sometimes you find these apps right and they can only they only support images or they only support text or links and this is like all different types of elements and inputs combined so it's really fun to play with you can download it for free and then of course there's a paid plan uh it's one of the more innovative um solutions to this problem that i've that i've seen on ipad in the last couple of years for sure and i think it's especially impressive because you can uh use it on you can download it on your iphone as well uh but on ipad of course you can use the pencil you can you can use multi-touch you can use drag and drop it's super fun to play with it's uh yeah it's the kind of ipad app that we thought you know last decade oh this for sure is gonna be you know uh what developers are gonna offer an ipad and then, you know, unfortunately, not a lot of developers were this creative. This is like, Muse is the kind of app that can only exist on iPad because it, it takes advantage of the platform in such key ways that it's super fun to play with. It's really remarkable. And I, uh, if you're looking for a new take on note taking and like visual, uh, visualizing ideas and concepts, uh, definitely go check it out. Yeah, Muse is a lot like just throwing things on a desk. You've got all these different items all these different types of content and you can kind of arrange it however you want so it's pretty neat uh, muse costs 99 dollars per year but as federico mentioned you can try it for free uh, you can use it for free with up to 100 cards and go to museapp.com to see it in action and to download it from the app store turn your ipad into a tool for thought with muse because deep thinking doesn't happen in front of a computer go now to museapp.com our thanks to Muse for their support of this show. Let's tackle a few Ask Adapt questions. Uh, if you have a question about the iPad, about maybe the new iPad Air or 8th Gen iPad or iPadOS 14 or anything else related to iPad, you can write in on Twitter. Just send a tweet with the hashtag AskAdapt and we will see those tweets and we may be able to answer your question in a future episode. Our first question comes from Christopher. He had a question about using the iPad Pro as a monitor with a headless Mac Mini. Uh, he says, is this possible using Sidecar, uh, Sidecar, mm. which is a Mac OS feature, or does it assume that you have a connected monitor and that the iPad Pro is secondary? I know someone who's done this for <laughs> yeah. a while. Yes, <laughs> I I have done this. So I last year I purchased a Mac Mini and I used my iPad Pro as its only monitor for a long time. And you cannot, unfortunately, do it with Sidecar. So Sidecar does assume that your iPad is a secondary monitor. You can't set it up as the only monitor for macOS. So Sidecar doesn't work. The way that I did this was with the Luna display. Uh, Luna display is a physical uh, piece of hardware that you plug into the USB port on your Mac and essentially it enables you to tap right into your Mac via an iPad as the, the monitor. And so you, you can use it with a headless Mac mini. Um, I, I will say that one problem in doing that is that there are times where you aren't able to access 
the Mac because something has gone wrong with maybe the software side of the Luna display or really just the software side of Mac OS. Let's say you've run an update and you need to log in before the Luna display app will start running and you can't log in if you can't connect to it from your iPad. And so what I would do on those rare occasions is that I would connect my Mac mini to my TV and use that as the monitor temporarily so that I could get logged in and get the Luna display app running again. And eventually over time, I decided I just don't like dealing with kind of the occasional hassle that comes with using the iPad as the only monitor. And so I I bought myself a monitor, but it can be done with a Luna display, um, which, you know, requires a separate purchase, but, but not with sidecar alone. Uh, Next, Amar asks, do -hmm. you think the next iPad pro should have at least eight gigs of Ram? Uh, The current four gigs is barely enough to keep four to five Mm -hmm. Safari tabs in memory while multitasking. Uh, if a 999 MacBook Air can have it, why not an iPad Pro? Um, uh, the current iPad Pro has 6 gigs of RAM. So the 2020 iPad Pro models, I believe, they have 6 gigs, just like the old 1 terabyte 2018 model. They used to be the only one with 6 gigs of RAM. But I, now I believe that all the 2020 iPad Pros, they have 6 gigs. However, I will still agree with Anmar, with Amar. Like, uh, yes, why not? Uh, I totally agree. The next iPad Pro should go all the way up to eight gigs, uh, because why not? Because like um, nobody ever complained about having too much RAM in a computer, right? <laughs> Especially if if it's going to be a computer that you want that you wanna you want it to stick around for a few years, right? Um, the 2018 iPad Pro, which I bought at, at the time, I purchased myself. And a lot of people made fun of me because I got the really expensive one terabyte cellular model uh, because of the six gigs of RAM. And at the time I wrote on Mac stories, I want to make sure that this is a future-proof iPad that's going to serve me for the next few years. And everybody thought, oh, no, this is not true because we all know you're going to change your iPad in six months. But no, the 2020 iPad Pros came out and the the differences weren't important enough for me to change my iPad which means that the iPad Pro uh, will, it's very likely that I will, I will have used this iPad for three years by the time the, iPad, the new iPad Pro comes out, maybe in 2021. So uh, I totally agree. More RAM, why not? Uh, I really hope that we're going to see more Pro apps, maybe by Apple, uh, arrive on iPad over the next couple of years. Final Cut, Logic, Xcode, of course. So more RAM would definitely be welcome. Therefore, I agree with this question. Uh, it's, it, I think it should absolutely have 8 gigs of RAM. Yeah, this could certainly be a, another differentiator between the iPad Air and the iPad exactly. Pro. Like you said, we don't know just yet how much RAM is in the iPad Air. I'm guessing it probably has about 4. I'm, I'm assuming it doesn't have 6 like the iPad Pro does, but, but the iPad Pro could use more. I mean, 8... May, why stop there? Like you could go higher, especially if Apple continues to kind of make iPad OS more capable. I mean, right now there are several apps that I use um, multi-window for to have a bunch of different windows running. And often it's, you know, multiple windows of apps that are in split view with other apps. And, you know, for a little while I'll be able to, when I'm kind of 
browsing all that from the app switcher um, and and viewing all the different windows, I can see like what each window contains. It'll show me a preview of it, but eventually, and I assume it's related to RAM, but eventually I lose that and it won't actually show the, the full preview. And so if that's a RAM issue, then throw more RAM in there, Apple. We'll, we'll take it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, finally for today, uh, Claire asks, in iOS and iPadOS 14, is it possible to manage contact groups? Uh, currently, I have to manage, meaning create, edit, or delete them on macOS and sync to my uh, iOS 12 and 13 devices. So there unfortunately aren't any changes in this regard in iOS 14. It's it's one of those things that for years and years I've thought eventually Apple's going to let you, you know, manage contact groups on iPhone and iPad, but it it hasn't happened yet. Fortunately, there are third-party apps that let you do this. Um, the one that I would recommend is Cardhop. Uh, it's by Flexibits, the people who make Fantastical. Uh, Cardhop does let you create, edit, and delete contact groups. And then whatever you do within Cardhop, because it integrates directly with the uh, systems contacts database, whatever you do in Cardhop will be reflected inside of the standard Apple-made contacts app as well. And so you can manage your contacts inside of Cardhop, uh, manage the groups there, and then see those changes in groups reflected inside the first-party app if you would rather use that for the rest of your contact management needs. Well, that does it for this episode. This has been episode 34 of Adapt. Oh, you know what I forgot, Federico? Oh, yes, the challenge. You haven't given me a, a challenge. I had a challenge for you. Oh, yes. I, that so, was unintentional. I, I promise I wasn't trying to like get out of it or anything. No, I, no, I haven't no, had a challenge in a bed. while. I, I'm ready for one. So Yeah, so my challenge for you, quite relatively easy, but should be fun. I want you to make a shortcut on your iPad that you can use as a widget on the home screen and take advantage of the new compact UI for shortcuts. So the ability to run a shortcut entirely on the home screen with lists and uh, and alerts and text fields, all that kind of stuff. Make an make a shortcut or maybe update an existing shortcut of yours. I don't know. Uh, just use the shortcuts widget on the home screen on your iPad and let me know how it goes. Okay. All right. Yeah. Sounds fun. Shortcuts on the home screen are really nice with Compact UI since you don't have to open mm-hmm. the full shortcuts app. And so, yeah, I will. Uh, I'll come up with something. Awesome. All right. Well, I'd like to thank our sponsors for this episode, Mint Mobile, Hover, and Muse. Uh, if you'd like to find the show notes for today, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 34. And to follow us online, Federico's on Twitter and Instagram as at Vitici. That's V-I-T-I-C-C-I. And you can find me on Twitter as at IRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. And both of us are writing at maxstories.net. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.